Good morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Good morning, guys. It's 9.21 a.m., February the 20th of 2019. This is episode 65 of Bitcoin and... And I'm sorry that I have been away for a while. Uh, last, didn't do one on Thursday, Friday, and uh, or uh, Monday or Tuesday. A lot of that had to do with the fact that the kids were out of school for four for four days. They had a four day weekend. Apparently, the day after uh, Valentine's Day is, I guess, a thing for public schools. So they were out, and of course, Monday was. President's Day, so nothing was rolling as far as as far as government stuff is concerned. So there you have it. Um, yeah, there's lots of stuff happened over over the last five days I was gone. Clearly, I can't get into all of it because it's, there's my God, there's so much stuff going on. It's not even funny. But what we can do is uh, we'll get into um, the morning roundup here. Coinbase is making some news. There's some uh, uh, happenings on the uh, on the <clears throat> Lightning Network torch. We'll do uh, Marty's bent. I got a, a daily train wreck that's going to be uh, brought to you by uh, Craig Craig Wright. <laughs> Dude, he may just become a he may just become a complete bit every single day for this pod because he's old. I mean, every time the guy sits down to write a tweet. If you can wade past his insanely insane misunderstanding of the English language, uh, then you wade into to the mind of what is clearly somebody who ne- needs some help. Um, okay, so let's let's do morning roundup. Uh, first thing up in the stack is going to be yeah, uh, Novak. Uh, love this guy at NVK. If you don't know who uh, Rodolfo Novak is. He's um oh he's sort of the the guy behind uh, cold card wallet, uh, the open dime system and uh, as <clears throat> as of late, I think he may have been the very first person to send and receive a Bitcoin transaction over open radio waves that is not mesh network uh, that was not mesh network connected. So uh, anyway, so what he's got is um, an open dime verifier. And I I mean, this is this is this is really neat. Um, So, yeah, so it's this little module that uh, and I've I've got the I've got the tweet in my uh, curated Twitter timeline for today's show. So you'd find it there. But. Uh, Novak includes this little video of <clears throat> this little tiny module, 
And it's as near as I can tell, it's, it's a screen. It's like a plastic box that, uh, holds, uh, a mini screen, a couple of buttons, uh, uh, obviously a USB port and inside of it, I believe is an Arduino is, is sort of what it looks like. Um, anyway, he's, he says that at doc hex D O C H E X made a free and open software, <clears throat> free and open source software solution for an open dime verifier on at M five stack. So for all you, uh, programming and, uh, open hardware guys, that know what that is because you, you'll know what it is better than I do. Um, he goes on to say that all you need is basic plus USB and off you go. And he links to the GitHub repository um, for uh, being able to get the, de- the software to load into the Arduino. And then you kind of got to build this thing. I'm, I'm sure that at one point or another, uh, somebody's going to start uh, producing these things for, uh, so that you can buy them, but it's, it's a little box. It's about, I don't know. It's about the size of half of a, you know, a standard playing card that you would get in a deck of cards. Um, of course it's, it's taller than that because there's stuff inside, but in either event, all you do is you throw, you, uh, uh, stick your open dime in there. It reads the open dime and verifies, (laughs) verifies the uh, the uh, amount that's sitting on the open dime so it'd be like really easy to just have in your pocket somebody comes you know comes up to you hands you an open dime and you can at least you can at least verify what's on that open dime and you know the fact that you're you know this isn't connected to the blockchain uh, I would think that other verification uh, would be in order for you to be 100% sure of what's on. Uh, I mean, you can be 100% sure of what's on, on that open dime. Um, but still there's, there's just something about, there's just something about, you know, comparing it next to the actual ongoing blockchain that seems a little bit more trustworthy. Um, I'm not entirely sure of that because if you can read the open dime, then the private keys haven't been exposed. And as long as the private keys haven't been exposed on the little open dime, which if you don't know what that is, just type in open dime, uh, all one word into Google and you'll find it. It's a little tiny USB stick that you can load up with Bitcoin and you can physically pass it to somebody. It's like cash for Bitcoin. It is exactly like, it is exactly cash for Bitcoin because you've got the Bitcoin on this stick, you use this verifier, you shove it in the verifier, it reads the balance. <clears throat> it wouldn't be able to read the balance if the, uh, if the private keys have been exposed because you've got to actually destroy a, a little bit of the, um, of the uh, circuit board that is the open dime uh, to be able to expose the private keys. And once that's done, you can tell that the private, somebody hands you a key and you plug it in and it powers up you know by by the LED lights whether or not the private key has been exposed. And if it has, you give it right back to the person and say, no, thank you, private keys have been exposed. So if they haven't, you throw it in this thing, it tells you how much Bitcoin's on there. You can carry it in your pocket. It's battery powered. Oh, man. I mean, that. Yeah, I, all I can think of is like, yeah, <clears throat> flea, like a flea market kind of thing, you know, where you're walking around, 
you got four or five open dimes, you got 20 bucks on each of them. And you go up to a stall and say, Hey, I I don't know. I I want that thing that you've got for 20 bucks. Um, and they, you give them an open dime and they plug it in and verify there's 20 bucks of Bitcoin on it. And they take it and they, they, you get the goods. And the only people that know anything about it is you, the vendor and the fence post. And which basically means that, uh, there's no record of that transaction. So there you go. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's really, that's pretty cool. Uh, Novak, is always surprising us with uh, really cool stuff. And this particular one is not from Novak himself. It's yet, you know, another person who's spending their time building stuff out for the infrastructure uh, that, that drives, that's going to end up driving all this. Um, You know, it's like, apparently, you know, Bitcoin's dead, except every time you turn around, something new for Bitcoin is coming down and it's usually done by somebody who's doing it not out of the goodness of their heart, but because they're excited about what's going on. So you, you cannot kill an idea whose time has come. I don't care how many armies you throw at it. I don't care how many pencil necked regulators you have dressing Brooks brothers suits coming down the pipe. It's not really going to matter. I mean, at this point, it's just, it's like cars doing, you know, getting in a car and doing 65 miles an hour through an insect storm. And every once in a while, you got to get out and scrape off your windshield. And then you get back in your damn car and keep on going. And yes, the insects are the regulators. Uh, Moving on up the stack, speaking of regulation, this is going in the opposite direction. Caitlin Long is at it again. Um, She has done, well, she did a um, a, uh, interview with Naomi Brockwell um, and the, uh, uh, the, you can, you can find that simply by just saying, you know, interview, Googling interview, Caitlin Long and Naomi Brockwell, and you'll get to that. I haven't listened to it, <clears throat> but this particular tweet is, uh, kind of her, uh, thanking Naomi for the, for the interview, but goes on to say, here are the two bills listeners should send to their state representatives and senators and ask them to enact one Utility tokens aren't securities, and two, direct property rights in digital assets. And if you haven't been keeping up, Wyoming is, even though uh, there's the whole meme of Wyoming doesn't exist, and I still think that that meme came about because nobody can believe that there's a state in the union that is doing more for Bitcoin adoption and cryptocurrency adoption than the state of Wyoming. I was hoping it would be Texas, but uh, woefully and sadly, we are not doing anything in Texas about this. We're also not doing a whole hell of a lot to stop it, except for the federal judge in Texas that uh, issued the injunction against BitConnect that started its cascade failure. Um, but in either event, Caitlin gives a couple of uh, a couple of links to the actual legislation. Uh, that you that is going to probably pass if it hasn't already passed. They're moving so fast you can't tell. About you know one bill is that you know utility tokens are not going to be considered utility or uh, securities, <clears throat> and uh, how property rights of digital assets is actually going to work. So you can uh, you can find all that in my curated Twitter timeline. Um, <clears throat> 
Oh God, CoinDesk. This rightly should be a daily train wrecked, but I've got Craig's holding that that particular golden trophy right now. CoinDesk has a um, story out. The headline is, Cryptocurrencies can't match gold on stability and volume and are not a direct competitor, says the World Gold Council. As you can imagine, (laughs) the World Gold Council is a market development organization for the gold industry. So this is a... This is by Yogita Khatri, February 20th, 2019. Cryptocurrencies are no substitute for gold, according to the WGC. The WGC, a market development organization for the gold industry, published the report late last month, arguing that gold is very different from cryptocurrencies. It's less volatile, has a more liquid market, and trades in a regulatory environment, among other factors, it said. Gold's price has appreciated 10% per year on average since the collapse of Bretton Woods' monetary system, which pegged major currencies to the precious metal in the 1970s. The WGC said while its volatility has also reduced over the last four decades, Bitcoin's price, on the other hand, the council said, has been extremely volatile, some 10 times that of the dollar-denominated gold price. Therefore, it is not really... A good as currency uh, as it, therefore it is not really a good as a currency. Okay, we we got some editing problems there. That's that's actually written. That that's a sentence. Uh, hey, CoinDesk, um, editors, please. Okay, <clears throat> we'll we'll back up and do that one again. Therefore, it is not really a good as a currency. The WGC opined let alone a store of value, potentially limiting Bitcoin's use as a transaction token. Bitcoin trading volumes are also very low compared to gold and other currencies. Giving the statistics that WGC said, Bitcoin trades $2 billion on an average per day, less than 1% of the total gold's market volume of approximately $250 billion per day. The WGC said that gold demand is diverse, Supply is responsive and is a tried and tested effective investment option in portfolios as a diversifier, yada, yada, yada. They just go on and on and on. And the whole, <clears throat> the whole point here is who are these people? <laughs> Market development organization for the gold industry. Mm-hmm. That really should be all you care about. It's like, it's... I, I put out a tweet there that is uh, directly re- refuting this, that <clears throat> I, I say somehow this is relevant. And I give the picture of one of the marketing campaigns of Chick-fil-A where it shows three cows holding a portion each of the sign, eat more chicken. I mean, come on. What do you think? the What do you think the world gold council is going to say about anything but gold? I mean, I'm surprised. I'm su- I'm actually surprised that they were defending the United States dollar. I mean, it's it's somebody somewhere is scared. That's why they do stupid things like this. So going on up the stack, we've got a story from the block crypto, uh, theblockcrypto.com. Quadriga CX customers are still looking for their money. No. 
a portion might have gone missing. No. Ever since Quadriga CX CEO Gerald Cotton died, clients have been trying to get their money back. The Vancouver-based exchange even claimed to have opened a teller window in Laval, Quebec, for those who wish to withdraw cash. However, the system stopped functioning as Quadriga filed for bankruptcy, WSJ reports. Quadriga CX claims the $190 million in funds that had been stored on a cold storage became inaccessible after Cotton's death. According to the researchers, though, public transaction records suggest the funds might have disappeared. The cash pickup window might have served to funnel money away. How much has disappeared in that manner remains unknown since no accounting records were kept. How do you run an exchange without proper accounting? <laughs> Whoa. WSJ claims between $10.1 million and $24.7 million were moved from Quadriga accounts. Nearly all of the ether held by Quadriga is gone, with almost a fifth of the funds moved to Shapeshift, <clears throat> an exchange that didn't adopt any money laundering rules until late last year. Shapeshift used to allow transactions to remain anonymous. Quadriga Associated Wallets exchanged Ether into Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies and transferred the tokens to different accounts and exchanges. Some claim the fact Quadriga used Shapeshift should have already been suspicious due to Shapeshift's high transaction cost, and we won't get into that shit show. But... uh <laughs> Yeah, the Quadriga story just gets worse and worse and worse. And I'm not sure if I covered it the, the last time. I don't think I did. Uh, but news stories started coming out that uh, some of the payments that were received by various holders or like a, a Quadriga CX account holders and may, I think some vendors uh, that were offering goods and services to Quadriga CX were paid from a checking account from a company that was owned by the wife of Mr. Gerald Cotton in relate relating to paying uh, these people for uh, either accounts, money that they were owed that they wanted to, to withdraw from Quadriga CX or maybe goods and services that were give, uh, that were bought by Quadriga CX. And in either event, the fact that these people were paid their funds uh, by a company that had nothing to do with Quadriga CX, except in the case that it was owned, the company was owned by the wife of Gerald Cotton. Man, that one is, yeah, there's no getting around that one. Um, if that is true, then I think that's sort of the nail in the coffin. Uh, for any of you guys that were doing business with Quadriga CX, your money's gone. I doubt seriously that you're ever going to get recompensed. Not your keys, not your coin. Let's move on up the stack. Uh, block crypto again. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no never mind. Um, <clears throat> starting into the Coinbase stuff. Um, if you've been living under a rock, um, then you realize that Coinbase is now back in the news with some other, with some new chicanery. Imagine that. Uh, White Rabbit has a tweet. Withdrew 100% of my Coinbase funds today. I ask all of you in good conscience to do the same and not support the organization. And he is retweeting uh, something from Janine uh, at J9R0EM. She says, if you use Coinbase, 
Now you are not only paying for your own surveillance, but the salary of a person who contributed to the murder of journalists, targeting of minority populations, and spouseware around the world. Uh, I had to actually look up spouseware. Um, yeah, it's just <clears throat> using apps uh, in a way, you know, phone apps, of you know, on your spouse's phone uh, to track where they are. And like, it's like sort of, yeah, whatever. That's for people who don't, don't trust their, their significant other in either event. Uh, what are they, what are they talking about? Well, what they're talking about is, um, Coinbase's acquisition of Neutrino. So let's get into this. This is going to be, uh, from CCN.com. $8 billion Coinbase faces backlash for latest acquisition. And this is written yesterday by P.H. Medor. Bitcoin exchange giant Coinbase has acquired Chainalysis competitor Neutrino in an effort to enhance its compliance efforts and regulatory relationships. Neutrino uses blockchain analytics to identify potential money laundering or other illegal transactions on the blockchain. Until its acquisition, it was one of the few companies growing in the space of analyzing blockchains. <clears throat> its work mainly benefits crypto exchanges, regulators, and other centralized powers. According to Coinbase, companies like Chainalysis, Whitestream, and Elementus are necessary in an open financial system. Quote, Blockchain intelligence is increasingly important in the crypto ecosystem and, in <clears throat> and is necessary to achieve our mission of bringing the open financial system to the world. By analyzing data on public blockchains, Neutrino will help us prevent theft of funds from people's accounts, investigate ransomware attacks, and identify bad actors. It will also help us bring more cryptocurrencies and features to more people while helping ensure compliance with local laws and regulations, end quote. <clears throat> I'm going to stop right there because this sentence needs to be pulled apart a little bit more. Let me read it again. The, the one I'm talking about is Neutrino will help us prevent theft of funds from people's accounts, investigate ransomware attacks, and identify bad actors. This is the same bullshit kind of marketing that we always get when somebody is releasing something bad out into the wild. The war on drugs. It's to save the, you know, think of the children. In this case, this is analogous to the prevent theft of funds from people's accounts. And then like other things where we've got to do something to stop X from happening because X is bad. Investigate ransomware attacks. Now it's this last part of the sentence that's that's uh, troubling. Identify bad actors. What's the definition of a bad actor? Is it who people tell you are bad actors? It is. Is it who you Coinbase think are bad actors? I mean, you give at, you give zero freaking definitions of what bad actor is. I mean, is a bad actor somebody who gets, uh, you know, like a, an open dime and goes and buys, <clears throat> you know, I don't know, 20 board feet of lumber uh, from a guy working the back room of like a Home Depot so that they don't have to report it? I mean, is is that a bad actor? I mean, yeah, I, 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 I suppose so. But are children dying? No, no. <laughs> I, you, you know, that 
it's it's not the examples that I can think of. It's all the it's all the examples that I can't think of why this is a bad thing. Now you knew Coinbase was going to do it, and if they didn't do it today, it would happen tomorrow, next week, month or two down the road. I mean, it was going to happen. Coinbase is the bad actor in the space. Chainalysis is the bad actor in the space, and they don't give one rat's ass about preventing theft of funds from people's accounts or investigating ransomware attacks. What they give a shit about is the fact that people will pay them to do that. Okay, so they they couch it in these terms of doing the greater good, and then they give you this BS of identifying bad actors without absolutely any identification of what a bad actor actually looks like. So... gag. So we'll we'll go on. Long the subject of derision at the community level of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, Coinbase's acquisition is one more in a list of anti-crypto charges against it. Um, Let's see. Oh, yeah. They give a tweet from Arjun Balaji that says, congrats to Coinbase on the acquisition of chain analysis startup Neutrino. FYI, the CEO, Giancarlo Russo, was ex-COO of Hacking Team, who sold offensive intrusion and surveillance capabilities to government, law enforcement agencies, and corporations. It goes on. Neutrino CEO, Giancarlo Russo, formerly worked as Chief Operating Officer of Hacking Team, the government security contractor that was famously hacked in 2015. Documents leaked by the hacking team attackers showed that the company willingly aided repressive governments, including Saudi Arabia, who wanted to buy the company. Crypto community members are unfriendly to anything which can lead to censorship. That is the bottom line for many. If it leads to censorship, it's poison. Meltem Demirs at Melt underscore Dem. Weird flex, but okay. Goodbye, Coinbase. Not interested in having my data, identity, and crypto ownership data served to every government agency on a silver platter. And she's retweeting Coinbase's tweet that they're announcing the acquisition of Neutrino. Uh, People are leaving. Very little of Coinbase's business model has been favored by long-time members of the crypto community. Nevertheless, Coinbase has grown to an $8 billion company in spite of regular complaints. Its notorious customer support and various compliance initiatives frequently raise ire. Whatever you have to say against them, they've done a great job onboarding millions of people, people who might not otherwise been able to have been able to join the cryptocurrency world. So, yeah, yeah. it's just coin. It's, I mean, essentially, this is just Coinbase being Coinbase, really. I mean, you know. <laughs> Coinbase is going to Coinbase, you know, that that's just sort of what it is. Anyway, that's, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Uh, let's get into, um, ooh, yeah, vital statistics. It's a, been a decent couple of days. Vital Statistics is brought to you as usual by bitinfocharts.com. No, they don't pay me. I just say that because since I'm using their service, I might as well give them a plug. I mean, come on. Uh, Average Bitcoin price is $3,952. 
Uh, looks like the highs at Bitfinex at $4,008 and the low is going to be over at GDAX at $3,908. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, 317,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. And looks like 1.3 million BTC have been sent over the last 24 hours. Average cent per hour is 57,000 BTC. Average transaction value is 4.37 BTC. Median transaction value is 0.034 or $135.41. Block time generation is now back up <clears throat> to nominal levels at 10 minutes, 45 seconds. And our hash rate, let's see, we are back. Oh, we've lost 12% hash rate in the last 24 hours. We're down to 42.5 exahashes per second. The reward per block, uh, or elite, well, rather the, uh, let's say fees per block, is 0 0.27 BTC. And over the last 24 hours, a total of 36.5 BTC have been taken in fees. The last GitHub commit was yesterday. Yay, yesterday. So, yeah, no, Bitcoin development is dead, apparently, even though it was developed on yesterday. Ethereum uh, average price is 146. Litecoin is 50 bucks. Bcash is 144. Bitcoin SV is 66. Ethereum Classic is $4.66. And Dogecoin has finally come back to 0 0.002. It was basically 0.18, or rather 0.018, You know, it's it's finally back up to 0 0.002. Its uh, transactions in the last 24 hours is 27,000, which, yeah, is still more than BSV and Bcash put together. Good Lord. Okay, that's going to do it for your vitals. All right, Marty's Bent for Tuesday, February 19th, 2019, issue 423. Always triple check. Marty Bent. <clears throat> starts off with his own a tweet of his own that says, hate to see it. Triple check before hitting send, freaks. I'm sure this person re regrets sending a transaction with a 79.65 BTC fee in 2017. Oh. And he's linking to, uh, to Josh Olskowitz, um tweet that says, well, actually he's just, Carpe not at Carpe knocked them. Developer's mistake. Someone just paid four hundred and fifty thousand for Ethereum transaction fees. So yeah, this is what happened. Is uh, Marty's talking about um, something that happened out in the past, uh, like in two thousand seven. But this one is, you know, my God, this one is is just as bad. This was an Ethereum transaction. I saw it yesterday for the first time. Um, but somebody sent an ether transaction. Um, they sent 15 bucks to somebody uh, from, from their wallet to, to somebody else. <sighs> but 
for the transaction fee, um, it shows 2,100 ether or $310,905 US as the transaction fee to send $15. Let me, let me go through that again. Somebody paid $310,000 to send 15 bucks. And people were bitching about uh, transaction, transaction fees <laughs> in 2017. Holy smokes, people. Make, yeah, double check your crap when you're, when you're sending stuff. I, I can't imagine this being anything but a mistake. So let's get into it. <clears throat> it's a slow new days out, news day out there in the world of Bitcoin, but no day is ever a bad day to remind everyone of the need to double, triple, and quadruple check your transactions before hitting send, especially the fee you're tagging onto the transaction. As you can see, this is not an uncommon mistake that has been made over the years. Most recently, it looks like someone or some service built on ETH has been sending transactions with crazy fees up to 450k over the last couple of days. You really hate to see it, but so goes the nature of a nascent digital currency, which demands extreme ownership from the individuals who hold it. The fact that a Bitcoin UTXO is a bare asset means you have complete control over it, and by extension, the responsibility of making sure you pay attention to the values you're putting into each input when crafting a transaction. This problem also ties into our ongoing conversation about user experience around these parts. There's no doubt that Bitcoin probably won't be able to scale to the masses if this is the best we'll ever get in regards to the experience around sending a transaction. However, there are some easy fixes that wallets can begin implementing to make the, this experience better. Here's a thought. Maybe a feature that warns a user if their transaction fee is greater than the mean median of the fee rate in the last N blocks. Not perfect, but would be enough to help people who mistakenly input 79.65 BTC as their fee rate, a level 5.5 times the current block reward subsidy. <laughs> we, we must begin to demand this stuff from service providers for the sake of ourselves and the sake of avoiding future PR nightmares that these mistakes can cause. <clears throat> Even though this is a shitty thing to have happen, there is a potential for recourse if you're able to identify and contact the miner who mined the block in which your transaction with the exorbitant fee was included. In fact, the miner that mined the transaction with the 79 BTC fee was kind enough to notice the fee, send out a message looking for the sender, and return the BTC out of the kindness of their hearts. This actually wasn't uncommon in the early days of Bitcoin, as our friend Dan McArdle points out. And links to a tweet from Dan McArdle. I love the cases from 2011 to 2013 where people paid hundreds of thousands of BTC in fees accidentally, posted to Bitcoin Talk asking the miner to return the excess fee if they'd be so kind, and the miner did. Happened a few times. Always remember to be extra cautious when hitting send, freaks. Every miner won't be so forgiving in the future especially if the price of Bitcoin increases significantly. Final thought, have a desperate need for some salt water and a hot breeze at the moment. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for Marty's video.
It's torchlight time. Uh, Torch has been through a lot since I last reported on El, El Torchy. Um, so I'll read a couple of things that uh, kind of get us kind of lined out as to where this thing is and what's, what's going on with it. Uh, first up is that Hodelnot started a tally coin uh, so that people could donate more uh, BTC to the cause uh, of which the torch is going. <clears throat> uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Um, so he says almost 17 million Satoshi donated so far through the LN trust chain fundraiser over at Tallycoin, And he gives the, the link to it, all proceeds to be donated along with the torch to at BTC VEN, which is a Bitcoin Venezuela. Um, they do a lot of uh, they do a lot of really cool stuff for Venezuela, and so the whole thing about the torch is that it's going to hit a maximum limit, and when that happens, uh, the BTC will be drained and given to at BTC Ven. Well, the whole the whole thing is is that the way that the Lightning Network is right now, because I mean we're talking alpha, maybe beta level software right now. Um, that the the lightning network does not allow channels to get very big. Um, that will change in the future, but for right now it's basically being capped. And so this thing has gotten a lot of attention, but by the time it gets to its, you know, it's, it's logical conclusion, it's only going to be a couple of hundred bucks uh, that's going to go to BTC Venezuela. So hold not decided, Hey, if you know, that's not that much money and they do a lot of good, so if you want to, uh, if you want to uh, donate more, you know, because the torch is going to be donated, but if you think that more should go to BTCVEN, Hodelnot has the Tallycoin uh, fundraiser up and running. And I think right now it's at, uh, it was at 0.17 last night uh, in BTC. Um, I'm just bringing it up now. It's, yeah, so far it is... Uh, 0.1729 of one BTC, which is the goal. So that ends up being about 17.3% of the goal. So if you guys want to donate to this, um, that this particular tweet, uh, with the, um, um, with the link to the tally coin fundraiser will be in my, uh, curated Twitter timeline and you can get to that uh, link in the, in the show notes, uh, on up Hodelnot has another tweet that says 69 spots left before LN trust chain reaches the LN transaction limit of 4.29 million Satoshi and gets donated to BTC VIN. So there, there's still time. If you've got a, a, a functioning lightning node and, and, you know, want to get in on, on the torch bearing stuff, um, this thing's still going on. In fact, it was still going on yesterday um, where I think she's going to be the oldest person to hold the torch. Um, Ibelite, I can't pronounce this, at I-B-E-L-I-T-E, tweets out a picture of this lovely young woman. At 88, my grandmother is able to text, FaceTime, and stream YouTube videos to a TV. She encouraged me to attend a lightning hackathon and she's ready to take the lightning torch next. She can even be the oldest person to do so. And once that tweet went out, 
you can guess what happened next. This woman is now one of the torch holders and she has passed the torch on. I cannot remember to who. However, um, actually, let me get, let me dig into this. Uh-huh. Ah, yep. It looks like, um, Ibelite or Ibelite. I cannot, I'm sorry. I'm mispronouncing this. Um, she, or she, or he writes back. I'll see my grandma at around 8 PM EST today. So we can certainly pass the flame to you or to Ivan on tech. My grandma was a railroad engineer and is a big fan of Elon Musk. It would be incredible if, if he finally decides to take the torch from one engineer to another. Um, that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. So anyway, uh, I can't, it doesn't, I'm not going to dig into it too much. She has passed, passed the torch on. Um, I saw a tweet from Ivan on tech earlier this morning. Um, so maybe she did pass it to, uh, Ivan. I'm not sure, but we have what is quite possibly our oldest participant in the lightning trust chain. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty cool. That's, that's, that's pretty damn cool. So anyway, that's, that's sort of where the, the lightning torch is now. Again, you can, it, it's still possible to get in on it. Um, Elon Musk has probably another 60 chances, uh, by now, maybe 65 by now, uh, to be able to get in on the torch. Highly recommend everybody tweet all day long, uh, with at Elon Musk or was it Elon? Is it at Elon? Hold on. Hey, check that out. Uh, Elon, 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 get to get to get to see what is this? Yeah. Elon at Elon Musk. Uh, just bombard his, uh, his timeline with LN trust chain hashtags and Elon take the torch and like any other thing that you can figure out how to fry his mind with so that he can get in on it. Anyway, so that, that will do it for a, <clears throat> a torch light for the day. As I said earlier, The Daily Train Wrecked is brought to you by Craig S. Wright, also on Twitter known as at Prof Faustus. And he says, hey, JP Morgan, patent 32, DFAs. Oh, you did not check? I have patents on what you want to do. Have a nice life. Yeah, so, okay, so I guess Craig is going to take down J.P. Morgan. And for those of you who uh, are still under a rock, J.P. Morgan, I guess this was probably Friday or Monday. I can't remember when. I really don't care. But they they released, they had a press release about their own, what ends up being, we're going to just call it J.P.M. coin, or some people are calling it Jamie coin. But they're, They've got a blockchain now, and even though that they hate Bitcoin and all of the stuff that Jamie Dimon has said over the you know over the past few months and couple of years, now they just love blockchain, and now they're going to use it. But you can't. And what does that mean? That means that the only people that are going to have access to their quote unquote coin and or blockchain are themselves. Uh, really high rolling institutional investors, other banks, other institutions that have a shit ton more money than you'll ever have. 
So you don't get to hold JP Morgan coin, but it doesn't really matter because Dr. Craig S. Wright is going to protect us all. And, and apparently I guess sue JP Morgan coin over a patent violation. Um, like as much as I can't stand JP Morgan, um, they're Craig. I don't know. I don't, this is why I think Craig is in dire need of, of actual professional mental help because it now appears that he thinks he's going to be able to do anything against this. I don't know. Anyway, it's, it's stupid. Anyway, that's your daily train wrecked brought to you by Craig is right. Terrible Joke Corner is brought to you by Bad Joke Cat. <clears throat> Where's your mom from? Alaska. Don't worry, I'll ask her myself. <laughs> Better to read it. Anyway, yeah, that's a bad joke. It's really terrible, but what do you expect from Bad Joke Cat? Thank you, Bad Joke Cat. Meow. And that's it. I'm out. Uh, I'll try to get you another one on Friday. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays are starting to shape up to be like kind of like no show days because I'm just not in a situation where I can feel comfortable recording recording a whole show. Um, I'll try to get back to the daily stuff um, ASAP. But for right now, uh, I would start looking for the shows only on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the, at least for the short to, to near term. Anyway, um, that's it. Uh, be careful out there on the salty waters of Bitcoin and crypto Twitter. People are getting pissed. They've been pissed. Um, the price bump is not really helping uh, people get over uh, their pissed offness. So, uh, yeah. Just, you know, be aware it's, it's salty water out there. So uh, I will, I will see you guys on the other side of that ocean. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.